Welcome to the Digital Aircraft Secrets Podcast. I'm Mark Schultz, your host. Aviation Professionals for Digital Aircraft Operations is a forum created to help our industry to progress forward into the full implementation of digital transformation and digital systems. Thank you for listening. Good morning, good evening to everybody. It's Mark Schultz here, and I wanted to welcome you to another edition of our Digital Transformation Tuesdays, where we're bringing to you experts in digital transformation in the aviation industry for you to be able to help move your projects forward in digital transformation. Today, I'm going to be talking about paperless operations, digital transformation, MRO systems, manuals, and task cards. And then I have a special event that I'm going to tell you about. You're going to want to stick with us all the way to the end. We're going to have live Q&A. Join us. This is going to be a good time. Thank you. Hey, good morning, Thanos. How are you today? Well, good afternoon uh, where I am. I'm uh, Eastern Daylight Time Zone. I'm Very fine. Good. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Hey, um, welcome, everybody. I have uh, Thanos here today. He's the CEO of Aerosoft Systems. Most of you who have been watching us for the last month uh, know Thanos, and um, I wanted to welcome you here with us today, Thanos. Thanos, um, just to refresh people's uh, memories, uh, you've been in this industry for a long time, focused on digital in your business, right? Well, yes, I got into it in around January 1992, and I never left. Yeah, well, you and I have both been in it for a long time. I entered into this digital world, I think, uh, when I went to Northwest Airlines back in 1988, and uh, it was shortly thereafter that I got involved in the uh, ATA and some of the standards and things with SGML, so... I think we both have been in this for a long time, don't you think? Well, I think so. I started with the uh, Canada Bombardier environment where they were launching the uh, CRJ jets and they wanted to move them up to newer versions of the ATA standard and immediately after that to the iSpec standards. And that's why uh, they brought me in for two weeks and kept them f me for four years. And after that, I realized the value of, of digital content. And that's why I set up Aerosoft Systems in 1997. Excellent. Thanos, you know, one of the reasons that we've been doing this is because there are so many people out there today that are moving forward with digital in um, aviation aerospace. And, you know, you and I have, have learned so much over the last 30 to 40 years. And, um, you know, we want to help people to be able to move forward faster than you know, than what others are in the industry. And one of the ways you do that is you, you, you work with people, you, you leverage the knowledge and you, um, you, uh, you help, you use knowledge from vendors and from standards bodies and all the different people that are out there to be able to learn from that, to be able to move forward faster. And so we've been talking all this month about ways that people can implement systems and solutions, you know, digital. So um, before we jump into it, I just wanted to tell people out there is, is that I always love to know who's watching out there. We, we have people, you know, joining us from all around the world. Usually, if you're out there watching today, there's two things I want to ask you. One, would you just drop a comment in the comment box and let us know where you are? I would really appreciate it. We'll we'll give you a shout out. We'll recognize you on where you are. Number two is in the bottom right corner of your uh, screen where you're watching this live broadcast today. There's a share button. If you would share this, then we can get maximum exposure and help other people to be able to uh, get access to this knowledge and this information. So um, we're going to have some live Q&A. So if you have questions, just put them in the box down below, and we'd love to be able to answer your questions. Thanos, let's jump right into this uh, conversation today. There's been a lot of talk over the years, you know, about going paperless and paperless operations. 
you know, um, can you, from your perspective, you know, your company's got a number of different systems and solutions. And can you tell us um, what going paperless means from your perspective, just to kick us off? Well, there's two sides, I guess, that is MRO going paperless and then tech records and libraries and documents going paperless. So uh, in the in the world of uh, MRO ME systems, while you capture the data in a, a computer application and SQL databases and so on, you ended up printing paper, work orders and, and job cards and were printed in paper, or in some cases you would print tally sheets and then you would go and copy pages of the AMM and or the IPC and you would staple them and that effectively made the work package at the hand of the mechanic and people talk about the job cards having dirty fingerprints on them and physical signatures and then that paper stacks and stacks and boxes would be brought back to the back office and then re-keyboarded into the systems to track the compliance and the aircraft configuration and the costs and so on and so forth. So that was the process. While the data in its core was kept digitally, it was actually moving out to paper and then back in and getting keyboarded. Then yeah, there's so that kind of this complicated process, right? Where, where, where we're, we're sort of transitioning between having paper and maybe having images of paper or PDF copies. And so we're going to try to go beyond the discussion of, you know, being paperless to what is it really to go into an intelligent kind of a paperless kind of an environment. Okay. But Hey, Thomas, before I do that, I always like to recognize people that join us because um, it's always fun to know where people are coming from, Thanos. And uh, we have some good representation from around the U.S. here today. We have Wyatt Robertson. He's down there in Houston. Hey, Wyatt, thanks for joining. If you got any questions, you know, go ahead and jump in and uh, make a comment. We have Manoj Dixit from India. Welcome. Uh, I know it's getting late there. It's really late in the evening. Um, thanks for joining us, Manoj. Um, we have uh, Penny Burnham. She's in L.A. Penny is with a company I know called uh, NICOTE. Um, they got some great products in the aero, aviation aerospace industry. Welcome, Penny. Thanks for joining us. And it looks like we have uh, Isa from Kuwait. Uh, excellent. So we've we've got pretty good coverage from around different hemispheres here. You know, right now, Thanos. So it's great to have so many people uh, joining and wanting to be part of conversations with us on digital. So welcome everybody. And if you have questions, be sure to uh, throw those questions out there because we love to hear from people. And if there's anybody else out there, just you know, put your name in there and where you where you are, and we'll give you a shout out and uh, 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 just recognize you as well. Hey, Thanos, let's go to the next piece of that, okay? So we're talking about paperless operations, but if we're going to transform ourselves digitally, all right, into intelligent digital, and we talk about digital transformation, all right? So a lot of people already have an IT portfolio, and so if they want to move from you know, maybe a paper or PDF kind of an environment, and they have some kind of an IT portfolio already, you know, how do we handle that? How do we move into an environment where we're going to add or replace in order that we can create some sort of transformation of our business with digital? Where would you start with that? If well, I, I want to pick up the tail end of what I said before on how the MRO okay. systems worked. So, the manufacturers realized that distributing paper just didn't make any sense. You know, an AMM used to be like 30 feet long on the shelf, right? That excluded the yellow TRs and so on. Now imagine 
a complete manual set for an aircraft type to be 20 manuals or 30 manuals. The, the length of the documents that were involved and the physical process by which the airlines would have to rip out paper revisions, introduce yellow TRs, and it, it was just unmanageable at the airline end, but it was also very cumbersome and costly in the production and distribution at the manufacturers. So they agreed on standards by which to start sending digital information from the manufacturers to the airlines. So stand yeah, absolutely. So the yeah. ATA 100 paper standard evolved to uh, SPEC 2100 and then ISPEC 2200 is GML based data delivery, data exchange from the manufacturer to the airline. So basically they said, we can send it to you on tape and so on, or you can log into a website and download it. The question is, when you receive this stuff, what do you do with it? What do you do with it? Yeah. Okay. okay. Because it's no longer something that you can punch three holes and stick on a 20 foot shelf. It is Thank digital goodness. content. <laughs> Thank goodness. So Charles. you need to have a vessel to put yeah. that in. And that vessel is a content management system. I do okay. know that MRO applications had to extend themselves a little bit so they can say, oh, we can import SGML job cards and so on and so forth. But without going into a long dissertation as to why that is just a half-baked solution misarchitected, mis I want to go focus on the fact that first you need to have this vessel to take the digital content coming from the manufacturers. And then what are you going to do with it? You have to present it in the form that the consumers of that information need to understand it. Those of you that know SGML and XML know it's unreadable. It still needs to be formatted. It needs to be given shape so it looks like an AMM task or an AIPC page or a job card or a wiring diagram and so on and so forth. So then you require the tools which takes this digital content and, and formats it and formats it in ways that humans can use the way they used to. And then you can deliver it. So the easiest way to format it and deliver it sometimes in the early days became down to PDF, which is like a picture of the printed paper they used to get. But that is not a very usable, reusable or communications wise efficient structure to to be distributing out there. So the more efficient way is to maintain the intelligence and the data, add more intelligence to it, and be able to reuse it from a common source and to also distribute it on a variety of platforms from a browser to a mobile platform or if necessary, to a printer. Okay, so Thanos, we, we started out by saying we need to get off of this paper, we need to get off of paper and go paperless, okay. We said we want to transform our business and make it more intelligent, all right? And, and so if I shift to the next question then is, is that if I already have an MRO system then, all right, what's the difference between having an intelligent content management system and having an MRO system which was really designed to manage your maintenance program or your aircraft configuration and content management was added into it? Okay, what's the difference between having something that started as a content management system and something that was just added on to an MRO system. Help me understand that. Okay. And if you have an MRO system, you probably have satellite 
systems outside of it that have word processing or, or technical authoring applications anywhere from Word to FrameMaker. You use those tools to actually compose content. That content could be your customized job cards. They That could be engineering orders. That could be supplements, amendments, or RII-type information that you generate at the airline to reflect either errors you see in the OEM supplied content or specific business processes that you support in, in running your airline and its maintenance facilities. Okay, so those things are loosely or somewhat ways coupled with MRO systems. And, but what you don't have is a process whereby you can take the digital content as it comes in, validate it, have a vision management process around it, and have a, an environment where you can now add also structured content to that, either because you want to revise it for your business processes or for the variety of platforms you want to send it in. Or let's say you want to ship a package out to a third-party MRO in digital form, and they want to execute it at their shop floor accordingly and further post-process it to optimize which cards to put in what sequence, in what line, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So that's why you need an engine that is built from the beginning to deal with a combination of content that comes in SGML and XML, but can also accommodate non-SGML, XML structures either revisable or in PDF form, and more importantly, to dovetail them with okay, the XML let's, content. Let's, uh, let's take a quick pause. I want to separate the first half of that into the second half of that, okay? So sure. I, I just want to, from the very beginning, Thanos, is that when I got involved in digital data years and years ago, it was always our dream that we would be able to get, you know, um, uh, intelligent or we'd be able to get digital content we would be able to aggregate that from different places. We'd be able to enhance it. We'd be able to modify it, change it. We'd be able to repurpose that, use it in different, you know, uh, forms, you know, task cards, manuals, uh, integrations, and then we'd be able to use it to execute and to put it off into records. So we always had this vision of having things that were more intelligent, right? Mm -hmm. And what you're telling me now, though, is, is that the path to doing that successfully is with a core foundation of a content management system, all right? I hear you saying that, okay? But what I wanna know is, is that people that are out there today that have an MRO system and not a content management system, there might be a little bit of confusion on why you need that core of content in that content management system for repurposing as opposed to dumping into an MRO system so you can use it a lot of different places. So tell me why that's different. Well, I mean, classic changes, MPD changes, either because the manufacturer has made the aircraft, modified the aircraft to the point where it needs less frequent checks, longer A checks, longer C checks, and so on, escalation. Or the airline has its own experience and it applies and it achieves an escalation uh, from the regulator. So when you customize your maintenance program according to the way you executed at the airline, when these external changes come in, in a classic MRO system, it can take months to actually implement these changes because MRO systems in their architecture and in their business process flow are designed to 
get the data loaded first, the aircraft the configuration, the parts, and so on, and then to be changed on the basis of the jobs that are being done. You replace components on the wings, and, and you replace components in the inventory, and you put uh, uh, reusable components or uh, back into service, and you track their hours and so on. But they are not built to receive automatic input of MPDs, which in themselves automatically flag what is different between this revision and the previous, trace it down magically to all the job cards that get impacted, and ideally write down to the subtask unit that's different to be able to change it. So you get a process that classically in an MRO system used to take three months to push a new major change to the MPD into something that can be done in two days in with the yeah. capabilities of a CMS system. Yeah. You know, you know, Thanos, if I if I just use a simple example of, of life, you know, to people is, is that this is how I would describe it is, is that, look, if you have a pickup truck, you bought it because you want to haul things. OK, you can drive it to the grocery store. Yeah. OK, but maybe you'd be more comfortable doing it in the family car, but you can't take the family car and load it up with lumber, you know, and, and haul it to a job site. OK, you know, things were designed for specific purposes. OK, and an MRO system was de originally designed to be able to build a maintenance program, to be able to load parts, create higher assemblies and to be able to manage the maintenance program of an aircraft, okay? Now, yes, people added in content management, you know, into that, added some additional capabilities, but the real original core functionality was to be able to build and maintain and manage a maintenance program, you know, for an operation to operate airplanes, okay? Content management system was originally designed for the exclusive purpose of managing content to be able to manage it, aggregate it, and repurpose it, and integrate it with other systems. I mean, that that's that's how I see it. Is that an accurate assessment of the situation? That is, that is a good analogy, and I want to add a couple more dimensions. Content management okay. systems are built, first of all, to bring huge volumes of data very frequently. Initial load, minor revision in 30 days, major revision in 90 days, across 38 manuals, half of which in XML, half of which in PDF. NTRs in between, in PDF and in SGML all the time. All the time validating the incoming content against the agreed upon structure. That could be XML schemas or DTDs or whatever. All the time not clobbering the previous content, bringing it in in a way where you can resolve conflict between a previous revision and a new revision and to quickly identify what is different to get the subject matter expert to decide, do we change this job card or do we not? Or, or do we then accept it as it is? Or do we accept the OEM change it is and make it flow all the way to our engineering order and so on and so forth? So the yeah, entire okay. structure of those yeah. tools are built for that reason, for that purpose, for that, yeah. and that level change. Yeah. Now, Thanos, I stopped you as you were going to another subject because I thought it was really important, but I want to come back to it. Okay. You started to say that another thing that a good content management system does for you is it manages hybrid data types. Okay. Absolutely. Now, tell me why that's important today when we have mixed fleets and mixed data types. Well, in a perfect world, we would all fly aircraft type that are built for exactly one standard 
And that standard would never change and everything would work the way you buy nuts and bolts according to engineering specs. Unfortunately, the, the standards in, in the physical world that engineering has are not the same as in aviation. Even though we have iSpec 2200, in itself, the standard evolves. Then we have the jump from uh, iSpec 2200 to S1000D, and within itself, we have generations or revisions of that standard. And let's not forget that we have a huge investment in PDF. Manuals that are coming in in PDF from the OEMs or from component manufacturers and content authored at the airline, which the only way they figured out to present in the interim was by generating PDF output out of it and then adding it to the, their business processes. So if the content management system can't handle all these different structures and can't allow the dovetailing of information appropriate, then it is in a content management system. And there is no MRO system that does all the stuff that I just described to you, but there are several bona fide content management systems that do. Yeah. Well, we, we definitely have a challenging problem because we have fleets that have been developed over many, many years and the data right. standards and the data types that have been developed over many years. And, you know, if an aircraft is out there operating over 20 or 30 years, you know, just think about how the data standards have changed. And, you know, Thanos, we talk about how technology, you know, changes over these days in two years. I mean, we have data that's been out there for years now that people are using and maintaining and operating of airplanes. And so in order to be having to have an effective and efficient operation, we have to have an IT portfolio that can manage and handle the different types of data and the data structures that are supporting our airplanes that are out there operating today. So I can see what you're saying. That's really an important part of, of the overall, um, you know, maintaining your IT portfolio. I can see that. And the other thing is, um, like, let's take the good old girl, the 747 that's just been retired, right? It was yeah. launched in the early 60s, yeah. and, yeah. and there was no such thing, even Microsoft Word 1.0 at the time, right? Yeah. It was delivered on, on IBM selected typewritten AMM and, and IPCs yeah. and stuff like that. But through its life, it started being delivered with iSpec 2200 data in the most recent versions. And the reason the manufacturers went away from application-specific information and standards to neutral standards is because if they issued it according to release uh, 1.0 Word, how would you open it today with, uh, you know, 2020 Office 365? You can't open Microsoft Release 1. Yeah. You know, while, while content that's built on XML and SGML, it's independent of uh, the application. And essentially, it can live the lifespan of a product that initially was guessed to be 20 years, and it's it lived longer than 45, 50 years. Yep, exactly. Thanos, I want to move to um, one other subject here. Now, um, I want to just for a moment talk about the value of customization and repurposing data. All right. So, once you've put this intelligent content into a content management system, okay? Now, many manufacturers will provide content to you that is not aircraft specific. It's not um, serial number specific or line number specific. So the challenge ends up being is that many times the content that's there, which you said earlier was very voluminous, all right? Is not specific to the jobs that you're working on. How does having a content management system help you in providing more 
specific information to the end user for working on aircraft? Yeah, we have a dirty word in the standards world called effectivity or applicability. It's yeah. a very complex word, and those of us involved in the standards, we understand. But that's basically what you've described in, in, in human terms. When you cast something to paper or to PDF that is a single view, you have to read it all. And therefore, when you have changes in the aircraft configuration, driven by the manufacturer because you have mods that cut in on the uh, factory floor, uh, which in, in themselves then drive service bulletin which gets issued into the field. You need to break up that content with effectivity statements. The effectivity statements will say from serial number one, two, three to 647, you use this task. And then from 648 to 3000, you use the other task. Now that is a tail-based effectivity break that the manufacturer issues and they can print that to to paper. As it turns out in a mature program, those effectivity statements are so big and so complex, a human being cannot really parse them with the ifs and thens and, and whatever that are involved or an aircraft that, that's in production for, you know, a dozen years or more. That's the first problem. The second problem is, the mod gets cut at the uh, manufacturer and basically they create the effectivity based on the MSNs. But the airline takes a while to take that SB and implement it on its fleet. So now when they, so therefore there'll be a task that is pre-service bulletin implementation and there'll be a task that is post-service bulletin implementation on, on that, uh, for that particular tail range. And they may take, on a fleet that's 300 aircraft, they may take 90 days to push one of those service buildings across. So the same looking aircraft, the same livery, the same come into the hangar every night, but one day they're pre-SB, the next day they're post-SB, and a different task has to be applied. That the, a content management system can play that effectivity, resolve it, based on the knowledge it has about the tail ranges and the tail that's just pulled in. A, show them only the tail specific task, number one. It can talk to the MRO system, learn about the SB accomplishment data, and then it can resolve SB-based effectivity and only show them the pre or post SB task for a particular situation and do that yeah. dynamically on a screen or on a mobile device. Yeah. You can't so do that with PDF. Yeah, and so so what you've what you've effectively done is is that you have now created a very highly customized. You've created a capability to have a highly customized information delivery to the person that's doing the work. And you know, and we all know. Well, first of all, you've created an environment that you can reduce your your effort to be able to manage and maintain revisions and customizations. Of course, okay. You've also created an environment where you can repurpose data and information. But you've also done it in a way now where it's highly specific to the person and to the job that's being done. And that is where it really makes a big impact because when we're all looking at how to optimize an environment out there today is, is that reducing the labor that's required to be able to accomplish maintenance on aircraft is one of the key ways of saving money and getting ROI from everything that we're doing. And so what you've just talked about, Thanos, is this baseline capability now, which enables people to be successful in doing those things that I just described. And the bottom line is getting significant ROI by being able to deliver custom specific information 
to the end user and to the different applications that you're trying to use to perform maintenance. I mean, that's kind of how it all wraps it up, right? Yeah, and and they, you use the word customization and airlines use another dimension of customization. They create supplements or amendments to the manufacturer supplied content and they want the combination of those presented to the mechanics and to the planners for the task at hand, okay? Yeah. And because they've created that with uh, typically proprietary applications like Word or FrameMaker, they also need to have that content dovetailed with the XML that comes in. And one solution is, okay, take everything you have and convert it. That is a very expensive process, very complex, and both in terms of how it can be done algorithmically, and in many cases it can't, because authoring, believe me, in tools like Word and FrameMaker has never been done adhering to a structure. It looks like it's structure, and then you look behind, and you find out that people have got hard returns and locally applied styles and things like that. Anyway, yeah. let's not go down that path. So the process is to be able to take that legacy content in the first release and dovetail it into the XML and then give the airline a business process where they can burn it down over time as certain page blocks or tasks or uh, IPC pages take a, a regular hit, let's say by the manufacturer or by a business change process. This time, don't revise them again in FrameMaker, but this time revise them in XML and burn away the PDF so it doesn't need to be dovetailed into the next revision. But until you burn those things down, you need to be able to support this hybrid world I described, a world that comes together from SGML XML to HTML and also to PDF that gets shown in browsers and even down to uh, mobile devices. Yep, it, it basically optimizes our ability to be able to operate mixed fleets and mixed data types and to be able to do that effectively Absolutely. and efficiently. Perfect, okay. Yeah. Hey Thanos, um, we, uh, we wanted to kind of try to wrap this down a little bit, but before I do that, I promised people at the beginning that I was gonna tell them about a special event. Um, uh, Aerosoft has agreed to do a webinar next Tuesday at this time on March 30th. And uh, in that webinar, basically um, what's going to happen is, is that we're going to talk about business problems that are solved in the industry. We're going to talk about um, solutions that, um, that are able to address those business problems that we have in the industry and do a little bit of a product demonstration. And if you're interested in seeing um, the great solutions that we've talked about here actually over the last few weeks, you can go to that URL that's scrolling across the screen there on the bottom. It's solutions.digitalaircraft.org. And if you register for the webinar, we're going to do a separate side Zoom session, basically, where we're going to do some very specific business case um, reviews and solutions and actually going to do some product demonstrations. We're going to show you some products as part of that, that webinar. So I wanted to invite you to come and to join that um, that webinar, solutions.digitalaircraft.org. Now, Thanos, is it in that um, in that webinar? What what might people see um, in a demonstration like that? Well, we we will definitely show them uh, typical OEM content as it is uh, viewed and used by the airlines, and we're going to show them a process where how we do a revision comparison, then we would likely show them how you dovetail existing content into a collection and then show them the finished published content that is based on 
uh, XML-driven HTML, but it has PDF inserts, be it TRs or supplements or RIIs and so on. In, in a range of manuals. Will you also be able to show like effectivity resolution, things like yes, that? Yes, of course. We can show okay. them the entire fleet or burn okay. it down to a single tail. And of course, yes. And can we talk a little bit about how um, how it's different to have a content management system versus like a a uh, MRO system, what the differences might be as well? Yeah, we'll, we'll okay. give the right dialogue to explain the capabilities Great. of a full Great. CMS. Okay, good, good. So listen, join us uh, next week on March 30th. And in that, uh, in that webinar, um, we're going to show you uh, common business problems that are in the industry that revolve around digital transformation in the aviation industry. We're going to talk about solutions that can be applied to those common problems and how content management can be the foundation for your capability for creating dramatic ROI. Running across the screen right now is the URL. Register for that webinar at solutions.digitalaircraft.org. Thanos, I think it's gonna be really good. We're gonna have an additional technical expert um, there next week that can do some of those demonstrations as well, right? Yes, we will. Perfect, very good. Thanos, thank you so much for joining us today. I really feel like this conversation has been beneficial and I'm looking forward to seeing the actual um, content management system uh, next week at this time. Thank you, Mark. Thanks so much. All right. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. wanted to uh, say goodbye today and say fair winds and following seas. And thank you for being with us for this Digital Transformation Tuesday. Have a great day. Bye. Hey, wait, don't go away yet. We have a lot more interesting information to come. Hey, I really appreciate you watching this broadcast, but in order for us to continue to bring this to you free, we have sponsors. I'd really appreciate it if you would just listen to our sponsor and then we'll get right back to the podcast. Thanks, I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Digital Aircraft Secrets podcast. Digital Aircraft exists to promote safe and efficient worldwide air transport Aviation connects the world. Aviation connects us as people. Join the conversation on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook at hashtag digital aircraft. Let's help the aviation industry be a thriving place for all of us to reach our dreams.